0: Hello, and welcome back to the Q's Conversations podcast. I'm John Bacassino, Senior Internal Communications Specialist at Syracuse University.
1: I remember feeling really, really empowered and excited to be there. I think I got to do more than I expected to be able to do. I think the, the educators were really open to trying new things and open to kind of handing their classroom over a little bit and sharing it. And so I felt like I really got to feel like one of the educators in the room and not so much as just like an assistant teacher.
2: To be able to tap into some of the practices that were happening in schools in New York City and providing an opportunity for our students to be able to do their student teaching and learning from the teachers in in the school environments um, throughout the city. Um, And that that actually is something that's been a hallmark of the program um, throughout is the opportunity for our students to connect with schools that are doing some really innovative um, instructional approaches, really creating inclusive spaces for teaching, but also for student learning our
0: guests today on the Q's conversations podcast they are here to discuss a unique initiative run through the school of education that prepares our students in the inclusive education undergraduate program for postgraduate teaching careers through the bridge to the city program which offers teacher training placements for school districts in new york city first we're welcoming on tom bull an assistant teaching professor Director of Field Relations in the School of Education. He also leads the New York City-based Bridge to City program, which we will talk about with an alum here, Abby Horton, who currently teaches kindergarten and first grade at Midtown West School in New York City. It's her fourth year with the school district. She earned her bachelor's degree in inclusive elementary and special education from Syracuse in 2019. Tom and Abby, you guys were kind enough to stop by the podcast to discuss the Bridge to the City program, as well as the role that the School of Education and Syracuse University have played in your lives. Thank you for joining me on the podcast
2: today. You're welcome. welcome. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. Tom, when was Bridge to the City created? The first year of Bridge to the City was uh, 1998. So Bridge to the City has been around in different forms. Um, for about the last 24 25 years so it it, it has quite a history of of placing students um, in New York City schools for their student teaching And what were the conditions that led to the
0: creation of the program? what was basically the need that wasn't being met that this would satisfy?
2: Well I can tell you about uh, there was a, a professor Jerry Major who is the one that uh, that originated the program back in 1998 um, I think the sort of the the focus at that time was to be able to tap into some of the practices that were happening in schools in New York City and providing an opportunity for our students to be able to do their student teaching and learning from the teachers in in the school environments um, throughout the city. Um, And that that actually is something that's been um, a hallmark of the program um, throughout, is the opportunity for our students to connect with Schools that are doing some really innovative um, instructional approaches, really creating inclusive spaces for teaching, but also for student learning um, and giving our students an opportunity to experience that. It's it's been pretty remarkable.
0: And about roughly how many students, student teachers, would you say go through the program on a yearly basis?
2: So what we do is we have our students are there for the fall semester. We only offer it in the fall semester. And so there's a process that our students um, during their junior years. Uh, go through Abby. You could probably talk a little bit about that. But they actually apply for the program. There's a there's a committee of faculty in the School of Education um, that oh that um, takes a look at the the applications and um, approves them. Um, and from there um, we we work with the students to um, get them up and running for the fall semester that they're doing their student teaching. I would say the cohorts that we have are range anywhere from eight to like fourteen.
0: And Abby, what made it so appealing for someone like yourself who comes to Syracuse wanting to study, you know, inclusive education? What was it about this program that really called out to you?
1: Yeah, I, I think twofold. I mean, it's New York City's cool, right? Like it, it's fun to be able to do a semester there and and have the support of, you know, your professors and your buddies there. But the schools are are really cool here, and it, they're kind of like walk in the walk of what we talk about in you know the the School of Inclusive Ed. It's they're doing all the things that we're learning about. And so they're, it's nice to see it all in action.
0: What was it like for you the first day you walked in as a student teacher?
1: Yeah, they throw you right in. I remember like seeing my first first day of school, you know, all the kids are coming in and I, I definitely remember like feeling like, oh, wow, I'm like kind of one of the adults in this room right now. But I, I think the curriculum, like the, the projects that the schools do, I think are what really stood out to me. I remember my first school that I student taught at, they were growing trout or raising trout to release on a camping trip. So they had all the fry in the classroom and they brought them up from little eggs. So I just remember thinking like, this is really like hands-on stuff. It was really cool to see. How did it match up
0: compared to what you were anticipating when it comes to your student teacher placement? Like what were some of the similarities that you thought and what were some of the ways it was different than what you anticipated?
1: I think I got to do more than I expected to be able to do. I think the the educators were really open to trying new things and open to kind of handing their classroom over a little bit and sharing it. And so I felt like I really got to feel like one of the educators in the room and not so much as just like an assistant teacher. I remember feeling really, really empowered and excited to be there.
2: So I, th- I think that um, you bring up a good point, which is that one of the hallmarks of the School of Education, and I think that sets us apart, and Abby, you could say yay yeah or nay to this, is that we have our students in the field a lot. They get into the field, into schools their freshman year. And so by the time they get to, um, to student teaching, and now, although in this, in this day and age with COVID, there's a little bit of a, you know, the, the, the apple cart got up, uh, upset a little bit there. But for the most part, I know when you were when you were doing your program, Abby, they spend a tremendous amount of time in the field at different levels of the program in different classrooms in central New York. So by the time they get to their student teaching, they have um, quite a bit of experience working with uh, a wide range of students so that when they get to their to their student teaching, um, they're really capable of jumping in and really contributing from day one. And what's kind of cool about Bridge to the city is, that we do work with, one of the things that we've been able to do over the years is we've been able to uh, develop relationships with schools that we, re- like Abby said, that really mirror our inclusive philosophy um, here at Syracuse in the School of Education in terms of what it means, what are best practices, or what does it look like, that type of thing. The schools that we work with mirror that philosophy in practice. And for that reason, I think they are the schools that we work with are often sought out by other colleges and universities in New York City, NYU, Mm -hmm. Columbia, Hunter, Bank Street. The thing that we hear from the schools and from the administration and from the teachers is that they want Syracuse University students because our students are so well prepared that by the time they are in their student teaching semester, they are really accomplished and ready to jump in and not only um, accept responsibility for quite a bit of what's going on, but they're also their sponges soaking things up and they really work well with the teachers that are down there. And so that's something we're really proud of. And that's not just the student teaching semester. That's all of the hard work that's gone into getting students to that point. It is, it's a consistent type of feedback that we get from the schools and from the teachers that we work with is how exceptionally prepared our students are when they get into these these school placements where they're really doing innovative and really creative instruction. And you should be really proud of the reputation
0: that the School of Education has has fostered because the trust factor, you know, the trust in schools, the trust in providing student teachers who can handle this task. What is it about our students that really sets them up for success to handle something that is a pretty... It can be a monumental task.
2: Yeah, well, I would say again. I think it's part of uh, kudos to the, the 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 school of education, which um, you know across the board we have professors that are that have um, high expectations for our students. Um, our courses are rigorous; they are not easy; they are challenging. Um, but we we understand that for for excellence to happen, you have to be able to take chances, and you have to take risks, and you have to challenge yourself. Um, and so, I think that's a consistent message that our students hear from their freshman year on. And I think that by the time they get to their to their senior year, um, even though they don't really know it at the time, they are exceptionally prepared to be able to step into that role of a pre-service teacher um, on paper, but also able to take over um, it, with confidence all of the different things that go on in, in, in a classroom. And keep in mind the classrooms that we're working with are inclusive classrooms. So you've got kids of all sorts of uh, backgrounds and all sorts of needs and all sorts of um, abilities. And our students are prepared to be able to support students in ways that work best for those students because they've had that experience. And so I think it's a, I think it's a tip of the hat to um, all of the, the folks that, that work here in the School of Education. Would, would you agree with that, Ab?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think the support is a big part of it, knowing that you're going down there with a cohort of your peers who are also going through the same thing. It makes you really close. You have each other to lean on. But then you know the professors are coming to New York too, and, and they're checking in on you daily or you know weekly. Um, and, and so I think it felt like a big leap and a big challenge, like Tom said, but one that felt supported um, and so it felt safe to try, you know, really tricky things and, um, you know, put yourself out there a little bit, um, knowing that you had some people to fall back on. So I think that going with the support system was also really comforting.
0: You're serving your fourth year now, I guess, how did you learn from this experience and, and what really challenged you about this role?
1: I, I think Tom, Tom laughed a little bit when you said that, cause I, I think I was, I was pretty, I wasn't so sure of myself when I started Um, but I think having, you know, the vote of confidence from, you know, my host teacher of, you know, you can do this, you know, um, and, you know, Tom and the other professors pushing, um, I think this helped me get a lot more confident in my teaching. I don't know. I think the, the school itself, it's the culture of the schools that we're going to, um, is really positive and, um, it feels safe. So I think, um. I think that it helps boost my confidence and boost my comfortability with teaching. Just knowing that it was okay if I had a flop lesson, and you know, people would be there to give me feedback, and I try again the next day. Um, but I think this program, or at least Bridge to the City, really showed me I, I can do a lot more than I thought I could um, when I before I started. Yeah, I- I'm so I'm just glad I went. <laughs> I-, I I got my job from it. I love my job. It's my dream school. I I think the school is incredible. And I think all of the schools that we're partnered with are really special.
0: Take us inside the classroom, Abby. What was the relationship with a host teacher and what responsibilities would you carry forward when it came to setting curriculum and doing day-to-day lesson planning?
1: I think first couple of days, you're just watching, you know, observing, building relationships. Um, And then... But by day three, like you're thrown in, I she would start giving me at least one lesson a day. Then the next week we're bumping it up. We're doing two lessons a day um, leading up to eventually teaching full days or full full weeks um, by your, you know, as the head teacher in the room with just some support, which I think was the most valuable part of the experience for me was, you know, it's easy to walk in and you teach your 30 minutes and then you're done for the day. But being pushed to really have the entire day, you are in charge of the routines, the transitions between the activities. I think that's when I learned the most about myself in student teaching. Um, and so I, I think that those like last few weeks where I was challenged, but, you know, still supported in those in that scary task of being the teacher in the room. I think that was the best part about it.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the fear because in any occupation, it's not natural if you don't have a little bit of butterflies, a little bit of nerves, especially the first time you get to do it on your own. How did you get to the point when you were confident in running the classes yourself, you know, without the, the training wheels on, if you will?
1: Yeah, I think maybe it was Tom or maybe someone else, but they'd always say, like, if your host teacher asks you to do something, just say yes, even if you don't know and figure it out later. Like kind of fake it, fake it till you make it. Even if you're not totally sure about, you know, how am I going to do this or what's it going to look like, say yes, take everything on that you can, and then when you're pri- in private, you can reflect on it and fix it yourself. But do as much as possible. Um, and so I think that that bit of advice was probably the most helpful. of just do it, say yes, and figure it out later. But I think I finally got comfortable when it was you know my own first classroom, and you shut the door, and suddenly you're the only one in the room, and you just have to figure it out. There's no one else there you're it. So I think those like last few weeks of student teaching where you are, you're getting kind of that taste of being the teacher in the room. That's how, what started the confidence and just practice at this point. Now I feel, you know, so much better.
2: (laughs) I'm glad you said that. uh, Ab. I mean, the idea is one of the things that I think that I, if if I've been a consistent message with me over the years, and I've been doing this for a while is the importance of, of honest, critical self reflection. And it's okay. Some of the lessons that I've observed that have been the most successful in terms of teaching our students, the practice of of being an educator have been ones that haven't gone that well. Mm -hmm. And after we're done, and we're sitting down and talking about it, we're having, uh, you know, a critically reflective dialogue about what went well, what needs to be worked on, and how you go about doing that. And I think that's a skill that our students are um, pretty good with Um, And I think that's one of the skills that's the hallmark of all good educators is understanding it's not always gonna be perfect. In fact, it probably isn't gonna be perfect very much of the time, but if you're constantly questioning your practice and constantly coming up with ways to make things better and then trying those things out, I think that's really important. And and I will say that's another sort of um, check mark in the plus column for our Bridge to the City Schools is that the teachers that we work with, John, are teachers that allow our students the space to be able to do those things. In other words, I know a lot of really good teachers that aren't that great with student teachers because they have a certain way of doing things and they want to stick to that. I think one of the things that we found in the relationships that we've built with the teachers and the schools that we work with is teachers that are allowing our students to be able to have the space to try stuff out and maybe not have it work out. Um, but understanding that that's the way that you learn. And I think um, that's one of the big benefits of, of the program is that we have the opportunity to partner with those folks. And, and that's the, I mean, the butterfly question, John, I Abby knows this. I've said this to all of my students. I don't sleep well the night before the first day of classes because I'm, stu- I'm nervous. And I've been doing this for, you know, 40 years. Um, so well, maybe not 40, but it's been a while. But yeah, I mean, the idea is if you really want to do a good job, yeah, you should have nerves, right? Because you want to do a good job. So uh, we do a pretty good job with creating opportunities for our students to have those experiences. I loved what you talked about
0: earlier. That I, This is a point I want to bring up to both Abby and to Tom here as we're talking about Bridge to the City. One of the factors I love about this program is... Looking out for fellow teachers, you know, and you're living in a community with the other peer colleagues who are in this program. You're not living with an aunt who lives in Manhattan. You know, you're in housing with other student teachers. Abby, how did that experience of sharing residencies and, you know, you get to have a sounding board with people that are going through the exact same thing that you're going through? What did you learn from that experience, the social aspects of bonding and living with your fellow School of Education peers who are part of the program?
1: I think that's, that was so special, especially because our classes from freshman year are the same, what, 20, 30 people every single year for most of your classes. So by the time, you know, it's senior year, you know, these people so well and you're comfortable with them. And so um, I think that was really special having my peers there, being able to, you know, come home and someone had, you know, they're in the same experience as you, you know, it's a new city and a huge challenge and you can debrief, but then say, okay, I need some ideas with this. What do you think? And kind of use each other to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, a, a support system is is really what it was. And I don't think it would have been the same if we didn't live together and stay yeah. together as that like moving collective unit. I think that was really important.
2: We purposely set it up that way. I mean, that's, we realized that that's, again, that's another um, characteristic of a good educator, right? Is the ability to collaborate and work uh, and support uh, another professional. And so the idea of them having to live together, because I know not all programs that have uh, students that are in New York City require that they all live together. We do, because we do understand that that's another level of support that's built in um, that really helps them. Uh, it's, it's just not, it's not a hoop we're jumping through. It actually is a purpose. Um, and I remember you guys, um, I had these guys freshman year. In um, what was it, three hundred three, or I don't remember what the class.
1: Something was, like that, something yeah. Like that.
2: And so I remember that everybody that was in that class was part of, of our cohort. So i I knew these guys from freshman year on, and and they that the bond that they brought together to to New York City as a as a group was was amazing.
0: Abby, what was that moment like for you? We you cross the bridge, you go from being a student teacher in the program to being a cooperating teacher where you're now you're the person that the student is looking to for some guidance, for some feedback. Was that a little surreal that moment when you were on the other side of the spectrum?
1: Absolutely. I, I almost wanted to say to Tom, like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I feel like, I, am I old enough for that yet? Uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, she's I I think the thing is, I knew what was expected of her. You know, and I I know what kind of things she's looking for. And so I think having that insight was really helpful. I I think she's phenomenal. And I think that, you know, having that bond of both having been in the same program and, you know, I, I know she has the same, you know, philosophies about education that I do. I know that you know, she's going to be willing to try and put herself out there. I know, you know, I, I know where she, where her education has brought her and she chose to come here, you know, so it, it's cool to be the cooperating teacher. And I, you know, I always say, I don't claim to know it all, but I do claim to be reflective and we can do that together. You know, I, especially now my classroom's changed a lot. So I have really needed an extra adult in the room to bounce ideas off of and say, gosh, that really didn't go so well. Or how can we change this? And so having her there and having someone who's so like-minded as me has been really a huge support. So I don't really even see myself as, you know, this like, you know, teacher to her, but, you know, she's, you know, almost like a colleague.
2: Right. And, and John, the, the other thing, maybe you may, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, Um, is that Abby is just one of a number of alumni that actually are cooperating teachers now. And so I think what you pointed out, Abby, which was was really important, which is that you do understand the program because we do have a very specific philosophy on what it means Mm -hmm. to be inclusive. And sometimes that isn't always, sometimes that isn't practiced in schools um, that maybe we place our students in, um, but we have the sort of the ability in New York City, because there's so many schools to choose from, Mm -hmm. to really connect with schools that mirror our philosophy of what that means. Um, and it just so happens that, um, you know, we have quite a few alumni that are actually teaching in those schools. So what a great connection and what a great pipeline that is for those schools as well. Believe me, the, the, the folks that are at the administrative levels in those schools are like, when they graduate, come back, when they graduate, come back kind of thing, which is, I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy praise, I think. I know you've both kind of hinted at
0: some of the ways that education has changed, but what do you think, Tom, might be some ways this program could evolve you know, moving forward? What's next for Bridge to the City?
2: Well, again, I think that, that's a really good question. I think you're right. I think education is, is ever-evolving. Um, what I like about the schools that we work with, and maybe you can yay or nay this, is that they are all very student-centered. In other words, the decisions that they make about how they are going to set up their classrooms and how they are going to deliver instruction isn't um, cookie cutter. It is based on the needs of the students that they have in front of them on a year to year basis. And so the idea of being flexible and responding to the needs of the students in itself um, creates a dynamic where every year it's slightly different. Or every day, Abby, every day is slightly different based on the needs of the students that are in front of you. And so I think to me that is something that's always going to be evolving because the needs of students change, have changed, uh, you know, quite a bit over the years. But the philosophy of making sure that you are inclusive and that you are student-centered Um, is at the heart of of all of the decisions that they make. And that's really what we talk about in regards to best practice at the School of Education. The other thing, too, that that we do um, in, in... uh, majority of the schools that we work down there, I know Midtown West is, doesn't um, have this this particular structure, but we have they have something called ICT classrooms, which is integrated co-taught classrooms. So you have a general education teacher and a special education teacher that are in the classroom together, and so um, so basically it's team teaching throughout the day. So our and, and that's pretty common um, in um, you know districts all over the place but they do it really, really well. And so our students get the opportunity to see really strong collaboration on a day-to-day basis in the schools that they're doing their student teaching in, which is really important because if you talk about what's down the line, um, I think, again, I think we do a good job of teaching our students how to work with students, our student teachers how to work with students. Sometimes the tricky part is how do you work with other adults? And, um, and so we are giving them an opportunity to be able to see that done at a really high level. And I think that's, to me is a huge benefit to the program. Would you agree with that, Abs?
1: Absolutely. I think that's the hardest part of the job is managing other adults. And so I think, you know, with adults, it requires a lot more collaboration and a lot more communication um, that doesn't come as naturally, I think, as it does communicating with children.
0: Abby, what was that moment? Like, why did you want to get into this profession? And what made you want to focus on inclusive education and special education?
1: Family of educators, my grandma and both of my parents are teachers. So, you know, I grew up valuing it as a profession. So, I mean, off the bat, I think I was one of those kids that was always saying, I'm going to be a teacher when I grow up. And before I, I think it was so I could use the whiteboard and the cool markers, but you know, now that, that part's changed. You know, I think the inclusive part is what's really special, the inclusive ed, that that's what I was really excited for. One, because I I graduated with two certifications. I'm certified um, to teach general ed and special education, but I got into it, you know. I have family members with disabilities and, you know, I remember them advocating for the least restrictive environment, um, you know, inclusive education is what would have been the best for them. So, you know, I, I think it's just a really special program. It aligned with my philosophies. I I just was, I I don't think I applied to many schools because I was really just hoping to go to Syracuse. Seeing my family, you know, as educators and seeing what a important profession it is, drew me to it. And now my brother is also a teacher. Um it's I have a lot of teachers in my family. How would you say
0: that dealing with COVID, with the virtual learning, like how did that enhance your teacher tool belt to make you a more versatile teacher?
1: That was another one that just threw you in and you say yes and you do what it takes to figure it out. And that's what you do. And that's you know the same message from Syracuse is say yes and figure it out. You know, you have to hmm. Um, and so I, that was actually my first year when COVID started. Um, and so it was rocky in the start We were like, how are we getting this curriculum? I was teaching kindergarten at that point. Um, so my grade team partner at the time and I decided, um, that we were going to record all of our lessons and we, every single thing that we needed to teach during the week, we split it up and we combined the grade and that's how we got through it. And then, you know, as COVID continued and, Um, you know, our, our needs for that changed. Um, We did too. So we did half hybrid and half um, in person. I think that I was really pushed as an educator. I was pushed, you know, it wasn't your typical first year, you know, you have eyes watching you and so it's unprecedented, right? So I think that first year, those first two years were really hard, um, but extremely valuable. Um, And I think I, I definitely grew as a result of it
2: the skill set of saying, okay, I have a challenge here, instead of complaining about the fact that it's hard, we say, guess what? Now we have an opportunity because of this challenge to make ourselves better educators. Mm-hmm. And we're, and that's going to be our attitude. We're going to be glass half full on this thing. And we are going to figure out ways to make it work for the students because it's that important.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: I, again, I think that's a hallmark of, of the School of Education and, and the message that they hear. Um, in Bridge, but also, you know, in other, uh, all of our other programs, which is that um, as, as educator, lead, lead, lead educators or educator leaders, you have to accept challenge as an opportunity to to grow and an opportunity yep. to get better at your practice. And I think you guys have done that time and time again. And I know you're, you're, you're dealing with that right now, because John, maybe you knew this, maybe you don't. They had um, a, I don't know how you would describe it, Ab, but they had students that were um, that were Venezuelan refugees that got bused from Texas to New York City and are now living in New York City that um, have um, joined the, the student population at, um, at Midtown West. Yep. And um, many of them don't speak English. Uh, many of them have been through major trauma. And the thing that, 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 I, that I am so proud of Abby and the other folks that are there and my student teachers is you don't hear them spending any time talking about oh woe is me they're spending time going okay how do we make this work how do we figure this out how do we use the resources that we have to be able to include those students so that they have a meaningful experience on a day-to-day basis at the school and that's truly what inclusion is about yeah. and um, you know they they are they, it's a challenge but yeah guess what a challenge is an opportunity to get better at what you do so I think that's the way they've looked at it and I think that's that's really important those are those are good teachers
0: What's the most rewarding part for you, Tom, as an educator, when you see a student like Abby come through the program, survive and thrive?
2: It's experiences like this, John. I mean, this is the perfect example is, you know, I think I I could probably speak for any of the the faculty or professors here. It's it's being able to keep those relationships and those connections um, with the students that you've had in your classroom on down the line for the you know for the next 10, 15 years. And and I'm still hearing, I, we hear back from them all the time. And it's hearing stories of um, successes that they're having that are based on um, the philosophy and the what we consider to be best practices that we um, all engaged in when you were here at Syracuse University. And it's so it to me that is that is it, John. I mean that's what it is. It's it's those relationships and those connections. And then I know, as an educator, the most important thing is having a positive impact on on students. And so to hear them and to see them, because I get an opportunity to be in New York City in their classrooms to see them as educators at such a high level. It's it, and again, it's sort of it, it's it's what it's about for me um, in terms of you know um, satisfaction with the I, the job I get to do. It's it's really super rewarding. I've been at this for a really long time. Um, and
0: I I, I love it. And Abby, last question for you before I let you get going here too. What is the biggest impact you can say that how Syracuse University impacted your career as an educator?
1: I think it was the expectations. I like, it is a high bar that is set. And I, you know, I think it takes a lot to continually push for that um, and feel pushed and supported. And so I think um, you know, the clear and high and quality expectations. That's what pushed me um, in my education. And that that's, I think, what helped me be the most successful was knowing that there were people who expected a lot out of me and, and knew that I could do it. And, you know, they wanted to help me. So I, I think it was the expectations that, you know, our staff gave us.
0: Our guests today have been Tom Bull, who is the assistant teaching professor and the director of field relations in the School of Education. He also directs the New York City-based Bridge to City program. And one of the proud alums of the program is Abby Horton, who currently, again, teaches kindergarten and first grade at Midtown West School in New York City. Abby, thank you for making the time today. We wish you nothing but the best with your teaching endeavors.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And Tom, it was a pleasure meeting you and getting to tell your story here and your impact you're having on our student teachers. Keep up the great work. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Q's Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino signing off for the Q's Conversations podcast.